Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is benchmarking organizations' maturity for digital transformation. Whenever we talk about digital transformation, it almost has become a cliche, but the whole idea is not to just build a cool new approach to how to deal with customers or to just build an internal efficiency. It's also an opportunity so that we could become better in the way as an organization, how mature do we become as an organization. So as digital transformation is not one shot type of an effort, it's going to be an ongoing evolution. So what are we doing to make sure we are intentional about building this maturity? And we talk about maturity, how about looking at specific elements, which is how effective is our strategy How appropriate is our culture? How good is our structure for the organization? And what are our current capability levels so that anything is thrown at us or anything we choose to evolve or work on, we have the right type of systems, processes, and tools and people. So let's talk about the different aspects of uh, the organizational's maturity for digital transformation in this context. And now, since we are discussing and dealing COVID-19 all the time, we are going to bring that context in as well. So to discuss all this, we have our guest today, Helen Norris, who's the CIO with Chapman University. Hey, Helen, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you, uh, Sanjog. How about yourself? Thanks, Faith. Yeah, very good, very good. We are all supposed to be shelter in place, working from home and trying to mm-hmm. keep moving along. So so now now in the context, like since last thing I mentioned was COVID nineteen and, and right. all of that is something which we can see is beyond our control. Everybody's working hard, but business should not stop. So when we are looking at digital transformation projects, they were underway for most companies and they are trying to do things with them. In your view, did it give a jolt to us? Did we pause to see what's going on? How are we dealing with this in the context of digital transformation-centric initiatives? You know, it's it's given um, an earthquake-sized jolt to to digital transformation, in my opinion. I think before the the crisis, when we were thinking of this digital transformation, um, we we the examples we used were industries that have been disrupted, often from outside the industry, like the 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 taxi industry being disrupted by um, Uber or the hotel industry being disrupt disrupted by Airbnb, and some of those disrupt disruptions, excuse me, um, really shook the very foundations of those industries and, and really called into question, you know, whether the taxi industry could survive. And that, that's, I think, been unusual. Um, a lot of industries, my own, I work in higher ed, have really been thinking in the past about disrupting from within, kind of thinking of ways to improve our foundation rather than really shake it. And I, I think that's true in IT and, and in a number of industries. So, um, 
We all have been looking at it from an internal focus. We're trying to disrupt from within. And then all of a sudden, this major disruptor, I'm tripping over that word today, this major disruptor that we didn't see coming and nobody could see coming came in and um, really shook things up for us. So in my industry, um, we have worked to, to have our uh, faculty and our students really embrace technology, and it's been sometimes slow, a, a slower process, but in the context of the COVID-19, where we all have to be um, not in the classroom, not on campus, we have no choice but to embrace the technologies. And, and we've seen just a massive uh, move toward taking on different ways of delivering uh, education. Also, in, in our industry, even from the point of view of some of the internal processes, and I'll speak, speak about my own um, organization and the IT organization, We've had processes as to how we've done support for many years, and, and we've adjusted them, and we've improved them, and we've um, shortened the time frame it's taken us to deliver a laptop, and believe me, we have made more progress in, in how we change uh, that paradigm in, in the last month than, than we've had before. Necessity is the mother of invention. And we have had the necessity to change in the last month, and we have risen to the occasion, I think, in, in most cases, and really made changes to um, how how we're doing things. I, I hear people talk about, we're never going to go back. This is, and I, I, I'm not 100% in agreement with that. I do think that when this is over, or after this apocalypse, or, or whatever, I I do think we won't stay in the state that we're in now, but we won't go back to what we were before. I feel that we'll end up somewhere in the middle um, because there are things that we've done because of the speed with which we've had to do them that perhaps we need to rethink them and redo them uh, in order to have them be more sustainable for a long-term approach rather than just something to get us through the crisis. Now, let's look at digital transformation as um, an initiative in itself, from the pre-COVID or mm -hmm. post or what we are doing today. It was always seen as something we have never been doing. There is a huge degree of innovation. Yes, the end goal could be that you want to increase, inter improve internal operations significantly to get some mm -hmm. efficiency out of it, or you, you know, wow your customer based on the way you do things. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was primarily the driver or there is an undercurrent related to, you know what, while we do this, we could clean the house, we could rethink our processes, we could become more capable, nimble, agile, and even resilient. Because that sentiment looked like you're talking continuous improvement, which nobody wants to fund. <laughs> what do you think that, do you think that word digital, uh, the phrase digital transformation lend itself to that as table stakes or that's more of a uh, an add-on which people should do because that's an opportunity they have? I, you know, I think it depends 
on the industry and how people define digital transformation. If digital transformation is, in in my opinion, a true digital uh, transformation is really rethinking how you do your business, how you deliver um, change, because, and in many cases, all because of external influences on your industry, kind of a, a little bit, I think, like the um, the Airbnb or, or the uh, Uber example. It, it, it responding, it, a hotel responding to an Airbnb by doing some, you know, incremental improvements in their internal processes, it, it's not. It's not that's not going to be effective. That's not going to help them remain competitive. Uh, but responding to uh, the that threat by really fundamentally uh, looking at your business model and seeing if there are different ways that you can deliver services that set you apart from that that has disrupted your industry. I, I, I think that's what digital transformation is. I, I think you know it's it makes a lot of sense for us to continue to improve our internal processes. And um, to be honest, that's something we've been doing for years. I mean, we did it back in the 90s when we started putting enterprise systems in place. They were improving our internal and our administrative processes, but they didn't fundamentally shake up our businesses. They they helped us streamline, and they, they were more about efficiency and cost savings. I think the difference with digital transformation is in many industries, the focus is not so much on cost containment, but on um, revenue, on driving revenue. And, and that, I think, is one of the things that we have to think about. That's new for many of us as CIOs because our um, approach in the past has been on how can we take these processes and make them and automate them and streamline them, and that's still important, and they're still um, it's still critical for us to do that, and there are newer technologies like RPA and, and machine learning and AI that help us do that better, uh, but from the business perspective, I think digital transformation is, is really about driving new ways to bring revenue and to bring customers and to enhance um, to enhance customer satisfaction. So, what what you just mentioned definitely is the trend. Whether you talk about decades ago the ERP that we were using, or we are talking about the the newer cool digital technologies you're trying to develop. See, as the topic was focused on benchmarking and organizational maturity for digital transformation, which is to say, first, let's define the benchmarks, then measure against them at T0, strategy effectiveness, cultural appropriateness, organizational culture, the capabilities that we have. And then as we go along these different projects, we stay intentional that we move a needle in each of these areas. And if we do that, then we would not just get a reward or an award for being the best digital company. We are actually becoming intentional about taking what would come after digital and taking it on with uh, with confidence because you're focusing on the core fundamentals and the core 
what gives us the core strength as a company. But if there is no benchmark, what you don't measure, you cannot improve. And not, not very many companies have even created such benchmarks or have made their respective benchmark for their own organizations, let alone measuring it. And they're chasing the next cool thing. So it doesn't really move the organization forward besides that one feature or one approach they improved in the business. That's what we are fundamentally looking to dig deeper and see, is that something viable or is it a pipe dream? If it is being done, to what degree it's being done? Okay, well, I think it's it's very tough I, it, um, it, to think about the benchmarks. And I do agree that a lot of uh, organizations, we get very focused on some cool technology and we want to implement it because we, we hear that's the way to go, and we don't think about the measurements to, to see if it was truly effective. I, I, I think a good example of that, for example, um, are, are the use of chatbots in providing services to, to our customers. So a lot of, I, I hear from a lot of people, oh, you know, on my service desk, I'm going to use chatbots um, to, to give better service. Or, but what are we really trying to do? You know, if if we're going to introduce chatbots, which is a great technology uh, and artificial intelligence into our service industry, how, how are we going to see if it's really successful? Are, are we going to um, look at things like quicker quicker closing of of the tickets, providing the answer to the to the person who's calling in in a faster way? Um, what about the experience of the end user. How do they feel when they get in and they're getting uh, achieving service by through the, the chatbot? I, I think a lot of times we're still looking at it more from the perspective of efficiency and cost saving. So, you know, we'll introduce chatbots into the service desk. That means we need to have fewer staff on the service desk uh, and we can have longer hours for less money. But are we really meeting the, the goals that we set for ourselves, which we should be to um, answer the, the end user's question faster the first time, get, it, get the information they need, and also to provide them with a delightful customer service experience. So we think about measurements. We're very good at measuring, I think, on the cost containment side, but less um, on on those areas uh, that are more customer-facing. Getting back to even thinking about the current climate and the current uh, environment, one of the things that you need to do, I, I think it's a good, just a good practice when you're introducing a new technology, is, is to really be clear up front about what the expectation is and to set the what you're going to measure and how you're going to measure it and when you're going to measure it and what your measure of success is. One of the things that's happened to us because of COVID-19 is we've introduced things fast and furious because we had to. You know, we wanted to get things out there for our students to use in, in a university setting or, or for our, our staff to use. And we have not thought about how to measure those. We just got, wanted to get those tools into the hands of, of people. So I think we're going to have to do, um, when the time is, is less, 
less crazy than it is now, I, I think we have to go back and revisit some of the things that we've done. And and we'll be in, in a tougher place to measure the success of those tools we've introduced because we haven't set success criteria up front. And, and that's one of the things when I hear people say, oh, we've made this shift, we're never going back. I think we'll go a little bit back because we'll have to really uh, measure whether or not the things we've put in place have been successful and we haven't defined what success really is other than to kind of stay afloat. Uh, But, you know, in the long term, that's not the thing that we want to measure. We want to measure how how much it makes a difference to our businesses and to our customers and to our end users. So let's pick up the first benchmark, right? A benchmark around strategy effectiveness. So which means that we will start and say, okay, this is our strategy and we might have, we, you may not be starting from literally like the from scratch, you may already sure. be underway. So, so far, if you have built a strategy and you have been working based on strategy, how effective have you been to keep everyone on the same page and keep them all aligned around the very vision? Because vision would drive strategy, strategy will drive execution. So if you created a strategy, you started working on it, are you effective? Is that strategy effective or you have to continue to improve it to get where you want to go? Do you think there is a kind of benchmark an organization can develop, which then they use as a a yardstick, if you will, to make sure that strategy effective or rather strategy effectiveness measure give is, is is a good measure and then it's accurately measured in the first place and that keeps us all in alignment. If we see the lack of alignment, we know how much of lack of alignment we have. So we become intentional about bringing it back in. You know, I think when you talk about measuring strategy, it's it's got an additional challenge in that Um, strategy effectiveness, excuse me, it's got an additional challenge in that it is a really long-term measurement. You you know, you set a strategy, you define a strategy. um, First of all, you have to have clarity around what that strategy is and what your goals are with that strategy. But it is, by definition, a a long-term approach. So, it's um, so setting the benchmarks around that or setting the the metrics around that become much harder because um, in some organizations, the the strategy could be to completely shift um, how our, the percentage of revenue that comes from a different area and the strategy is kind of setting at that level. So that, I think, is very difficult to do. What I the approach that I have seen have success is really take those strategies, that strategy um, that's outlined, and break it into a, a more focused set of high-level goals and be able to measure around that. For example, um, we want to be in, in a university. We want to be um, the you know we our strategy might be to improve our our standings in, in, uh, uh, across the country to be a, a better 
to be a more highly um, ranked university. Well, the the measurement there is actually pretty easy, but how do you get there in that strategy? Well, you have to improve, you know, our our student body. We have to improve our faculty. So all of those things, I think, um, become things that we have to measure as as we go over move in the direction of the strategy that we set for ourselves. Now, when we talk about like the further strategy, that is good. But then once you have built the strategy without having the right type of people in the right type of org structure and org design, people will go all over place or there would be conflicts and there would be uh, tug of wars, if you will, or we would be having confusion. And that happens in many companies, especially when they're trying to bring about change at any level. But then organizations would willingly, I'm not going to grossly generalize here, but a lot of times Mm -hmm. people would put thoughts in there, but it looks a little chaotic and or ad hoc in the way they think about org structure without having a certain benchmark to say, if this org structure is at this level, this is the outcome I'm getting. They could use historical data. They could work with third parties, whatever that is. So we change organization. We restructuring versus re-engineering. And that creates a whole lot of leakage before they realize this did not work well. And then you again go back to the same staff and say, now we're going to change this again. So what they start saying, oh my God, this is going to happen on a weekly basis. I would not know what's going mm-hmm. on and they lose, lose team. So if we had a benchmark of saying what kind of organizational structure or processes level maturity we will bring over a period of time, then you know you have a stepwise plan on how we will grow in maturity. And you'll you know take one bite at a time. But what would that look like in context of digital transformation? How should our org structure be formed first? And that when what what second step should you take in that regard and what's the third? So I think the question that you're asking is really um, there. There's two different uh, perspectives or two, or two different uh, lenses that we need to look at it through. The first is is around leadership. I, I mean, we're essentially talking about leading our organization through massive change. Uh, so that's the the first lens I'm going to talk about. And then I think you're really talking about um, culture in the organization and how. Um, and, and different organizations have different cultures and different um, readiness levels for change and for digital trans- transformation. So, you know, I, I want to get into that a, a little bit. But first, I, I think leading an organization through digital transformation, it, it is about leadership. And it's all of the tools that we use as leaders uh, really are amplified in, in this journey towards digital transformation. So it's it's all of the things that we should practice as leaders on a daily basis. It's good and clear communication, uh, making sure that um, we are communicating on a on a regular basis with our team around the strategy and around the steps towards those stra- toward uh, that strategy. And I want to be clear that communication is a two way street, right? It's not just about the leader coming out and and talking to the organization about here's how we're going to move and here's how we're we're going to achieve this digital transformation. 
communication is really about listening. And our people in, in many organizations are our, our strongest um, assets. And so it's very important for us to have that great communication um, back and forth with our teams. What's interesting, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit on a tangent, uh, you know, in the current environment with COVID-19, where we've been physically separated from from our teams, and I know that many organizations have global uh, teams and they're all ways um, physically separated, uh, but this is new for a lot of us. It, you know, finding different ways to maintain those good um, open communications with your teams in a virtual environment is really critical, whether it's using, you know, constant uh, uh, video conferences or um, collaboration platforms uh, to help people know what's going on, uh, being timely in communication. In, especially in a virtual environment, is really, really um, critical. Uh, the second tool I think that we use as leaders in order to um, lead our team through this massive change is really empathy. Empathy is one of the most critical um, attributes and skills that a leader can can bring. Uh, you you talked about you know we'll set a we'll set a an organizational structure to help us address digital transformation. And we don't want to be in a situation where we set an organizational structure and then we go, oh, my God, that's wrong. Let's do it again and again. But one of the things in today's world is that things do change and that we do change. Um, we, we're not going to set, like, maybe was an expectation in the past. We set an organizational structure and it'll stay there for years. That That's not the reality today. And again, I'm going to talk about the current uh, crisis. Uh, you know, what I had to do with my team in the current crisis is completely on the fly, temporarily reorganize people so that we could deliver what the, what the organization needed. So, you know, if, if you're a staff member sitting there in your organization, what they experienced coming from their leadership was, okay, yes, you're a data analyst today. Um, tomorrow I'm going to have you supporting people who are working remotely. The clear communication and the empathy for understanding that that change is impactful to that individual is really what what sets apart a, a great leader and a leader who can successfully bring an organization through digital transformation than a manager. The clarity uh, of communication, it, it's really just just very um, kind. It's very kind to our staff to be clear around what we're doing, why we're doing it, acknowledging that we will probably be making changes as we go on through, and being really intentional about that, I, I think, is, is, is very um, critical. In terms of measuring the success um, or, or benchmarks of um, we've, we've changed an organizational structure, that, I think, is really uh, about measuring how the success of uh, are we delivering what we need to, but also I think measuring the um, comfort and the, the happiness perhaps uh, of of our um, 
of our staff who are working in that environment. So moving to good feedback um, from from people, the staff surveys, um, moving away from kind of the old annual evaluation process and to more to a consistent, constant um, discussion between supervisors and staff, good expectation settings, looking for turnover and burnout in the organization. I think that they're all things that we can, can use to actually measure uh, how effective our organizational structure changes have been. Does that get to some of the questions, that some of the topics you're, you're thinking about in terms of benchmarking? Absolutely. No, thank you so much. This was a great response. So now let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And then okay. uh, Helen, when we come back, let's talk about the culture, you know, that, that living organism which needs to stay healthy. And mm-hmm. we need to have good benchmarks or, or do companies have benchmarks so that they use them as the yardstick to make sure that culture always stays conducive for any and everyone who wants to be and should be at their best. They're all having fun while doing so, and they're always motivated and charged up and innovative as we go along the journey. So what could be a good way to establish those benchmarks, and how do you use them to keep improving your culture? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Helen, let's talk about culture. Living organism has to stay healthy, but most people work on culture saying, okay, a leader is going to come and build culture. One leader leaves, culture suddenly crashes. They want to then rebuild again. And it is uh, a more of an art form than a science. And we understand that because you're dealing with human beings. But can there be a set of incremental levels of maturity which we can assign to it and then work towards that next milestone, if you will, Versus saying, I'm going to totally turn it into an amazing culture or it's going to totally get trashed. Because we don't have clarity on where we are going with cultural related efforts and how far did we reach at any given time and where are we at any given time. That doesn't really give us a lot of hope as a leader and the people who are working in the company to know if we are working on culture and we are working with a very methodical approach to it. Well, you know, this is a really hard question. You know, how do you benchmark culture? Because it feels so fuzzy. You know, it's a, I have a good culture, I have a bad culture. And it also feels um, that culture is a very difficult thing to impact. I, I don't know that it's, it's really true that a leader comes in and sets the culture. A lot of culture comes from within the organization, from the team that's there. Um, but I think 
the first thing is to really think about, as a leader, to think about the kind of culture that you want to have in, in an organization. And since we're talking about digital transformation, um, you know, I, I understand that in, in as a leader, I want to have a culture where that's inclusive and collaborative and that employees um, are, are uh, productive and happy. But when we're thinking about digital transformation, as a leader, you might want to come in and have an, a culture where change is embraced. You know, so I can think of many examples in my career where I've come into an organization and the culture has been, you know, this, this is how we do things. And um, my challenge as a leader was to try to um, shift the culture a little bit so that the culture was more uh, open to change. So I think that's the first thing is you've got to really think about what culture do you want to have in your organization? And then evaluate the culture that you currently have and think about what the difference is. And I recognize that some of these um, culture words are a bit fuzzy. I, I want a culture where uh, staff are productive and happy. Okay, so happy, how, how do you define that and then how do you measure it? But I, I would argue that there are ways that we can measure um, things like employee productivity and employee um, satisfaction uh, in terms of the culture. I, I would say that we can, if we define that we want a culture that embraces change, there are ways we can measure um, whether or not we embrace change. I mean, we can look and see if, if we've changed things, you know, or, um, you know, you think of culture as we have a collaborative culture. I hear people say that all the time, right? I, in our organization, uh, we're, we're collaborative. That's our culture. Okay, so how, how do you measure that? How do you ensure that you're actually being collaborative? I think that there are ways we can, we can do that. So it's really about defining the culture you want to have, um, what the values, some of it is very values-based, um, what the values are that um, are associated with that culture, and then breaking it down to pieces that can be measured, like staff satisfaction, like um, how quickly we can, we can change from one um system, if you will, even to another. Uh, and, uh, you know, how truly collaborative are we if that's the, the um, culture you want to, to have in your organization? So I, I think it's, it's, it's really difficult because it feels fuzzy, but I think you can take those fuzzy things and, and maybe it won't be quite the same as measuring how many calls we took at a call center or, you know, how much our um, revenue increased over the last 12 years, or maybe it's not quite the same as measuring the growth of the COVID-19 uh, um, virus that we can see on a, on a, on a, a, a graph, but we can measure things um, ar around these fuzzier thoughts, uh, perhaps mostly through, through surveying. So does that, yeah, yeah. you know what, frankly, it's not an easy question to answer, but you definitely gave yeah, it a good right. shot because, you know, the culture right. itself can uh, mean so many things to so many people. And that's where, while we understand that not every plan, everyone on the planet would think exactly the same, but 
we are more appealing to the leaders to become intentional about yeah. giving it some qualitative or quantitative measure. Because if you yeah. don't, then it is, uh, it's not going to, your efforts are not going to reach their maximum potential, right? Uh, to, to say the least. So, yeah, no, so that's I, I like, I, Can I build on one thing that you said? I really like that you used the phrase um, qualitative versus quantitative. Because I, I, I think we get, when we think about measurement and metrics, we're naturally inclined to think about things that are quantitative, like sales or number of calls or, you know, um, how many breaks, how, how many things broke or, or something like that. But qualitative is, is a form of measurement, too. And, and certainly when you're thinking about culture, and in some ways when you're thinking about customer service, these are more qualitative things. So we can learn from how we've measured qualitative things like customer service in the past as we look at things like measuring culture. But I, I really appreciate you using the word qualitative. It, it, um, it, it really helps in having that measurement discussion, that measurement can be qualitative as well as quantitative. Now, let's talk about the systems, tools, and skills combined to be seen, or you could, you could say, say it is the capability that a CIO should bring within their department to be able to support uh, the digital transformation efforts. So we always, as CIOs, have been trying to optimize the portfolio. Yes, you would have technical debt. Yes, you would always get some new deals, tools, some old, and try to preserve the existing investments and say, we are going to run at a very lean uh, levels. Now, with all of that said, what you need to do at any given time from systems, tools, and skills perspective, if it is not optimum, you're leaving money on the table, you're leaving opportunity on the table, you could leave PR and marketing and every other's effectiveness on the table. And again, we could say we are doing the best we can, but are you maturing? across different initiatives, pre-digital or post-digital, did you mature? And for you to be able to confidently say yes, you ought to have some sort of a benchmark. Is there one? Well, I think this is one where we, it's another hard question. Um, I, I think it's one where when we think about the tools and the skills, I, and I'm thinking from the CIO's perspective with the with the IT staff, it's can we measure uh, the the improvement of our teams in terms of delivering? And, and I think we can do that. Um, some of the things that we need, some of the approaches that we need today from our staff uh, to, to handle these digital initiatives are, are really more focused on an agile methodology and an agile approach to projects um, as opposed to, to the approaches we used in the 90s when we um, addressed uh, enterprise systems where it was a more uh, monolithic and uh, project management approach. So I think we can measure um, how our staff are uh, embracing these new approaches uh, and uh, work to to increase the, 
the participation in, in using those new approaches. Uh, I, I think in order to be successful, it really does require investment in our staff because our staff have, have had success over the years. Um, when you think back to, again, when we, we did enterprise systems, our measure of success was maybe in a year and a half, we would implement a big enterprise system and, and people were rewarded for that. And, and today we're, we're doing more um, developing mobile technologies where there's an expectation that there are constant updates and it feels uh, like a very different approach to our staff. So investing in our staff to ensure that they um, have the skills to, to embrace these new ways of doing business uh, and then being able to measure against that makes a lot of sense. I, I also think, however, that it uh, the digital approach requires a change. The digital initiatives require a change in approach on our partners uh, across the organization because it is more a more iterative uh, approach. And um, so part of our duties as a CIO are to uh, help the rest of the organization uh, um, embrace this more agile approach. We also have to do that while we're still maintaining, you know, uh, our underlying system for, uh, in you know, kind of keeping the trains running on time. We still have to have our network work, and we still have to have those enterprise systems that are in place. Uh, so it is a very challenging piece because people are going to get rewarded for that type of work too and uh, and measured in a different way. So, you know, focusing on critical systems and building resilience and resiliency into those systems while at the same time um, taking an agile approach to digital initiatives is actually really pretty hard. You know, you're really... Um, Using both sides of your brain, uh, so you you have to have uh, different ways of measuring success in both different areas. Now, if you had to suppose build these benchmarks or <clears throat> use them in both cases, the journey, the way you're having today, or you see your peers having today, what would you? How would you have run if you already had these benchmarks? How would you have run whatever you're running today as your shop uh, if you had the benchmarks and you were using them to develop maturity? I, I think the thing I would say is that uh, the benchmarks we've used for the, in the past, the enterprise system, the, the benchmarks have really been focused on uh, quality and um, ensuring when we when we put these systems in place that they, they don't fail and there's uh, and so we've taken a lot of time to implement those systems or make changes. In digital initiatives, I, I think the benchmark is more about speed to um, to implementation. Sometimes even at the expense of of uh, quality. Sometimes, you know, it's it's been more of the approach of, you know, not letting the perfect get in the way of the good, uh, getting things out there. So in thinking about digital initiatives, um, when thinking about benchmarks, one thing I would do a little bit differently is really focus on, on time to market uh, a little bit more so than even um, quality. 
And that's something that we've absolutely had to do in the COVID-19 um, crisis. In fact, I, I recall a few weeks ago when we were talking about, um, are we ready to, to do remote teaching or remote le- remote working for 100% of the workforce? And my, my president asked me that question, like, are we ready? I was like, well, we're not 100% ready, but we're ready enough. And that's, I think, a different measure than we have had in the past. Are we ready enough to go with this? Or rather than, are we 100% ready? So that's one thing I think that we would maybe have done uh, that I would think we may introduce that approach in our digital initiatives in the future. Are we ready enough? Because then let's go. Last question for you. Think about other areas that we spoke of, from strategy to culture to uh, organizational structure to capability levels. How about thinking about a benchmark for the leadership style or rather leadership maturity? Because in organizational maturity requires us to become more mature as the way we lead. Yes, people could have different leadership styles, but leadership as a discipline, which is required in today's day and age and beyond, that needs to mature as well. So what would you say, or rather propose to the leaders out there, what kind of benchmarks they can create? Because not just they themselves should be seen as leaders, but their goal or their role as a leader is to develop other leaders. But if they did not have a benchmark, how would they know this person has become better than what this he or she was, say, two years ago or a year ago? So, Sanjog, all of the questions you've asked about benchmarking culture have been really hard, but this one is the hardest, is how do you benchmark success um, for a leader? It's really hard to benchmark because some of it is about style. You know, as leaders, we need to be inclusive and participatory and collaborative. And then to your point, um, it's not just about you as a leader or the CIO as the leader, but how they infuse leadership in the organization and create, um, and I've borrowed this phrase from a colleague, a very leaderful organization. And it's how how do you benchmark that? It's I think it's very, very difficult to do so. But one thing I would say um, to leaders out there, if I could just leave with one piece of advice uh, around benchmarking how successful you are as a leader. As a leader. I think the critical thing um, is for us as leaders to seek feedback. That's, I think, the only way we're going to um, address uh, measure, the measurement of, of our success as leaders and, and other leaders in the organization. It's not necessarily natural for us to go out and, and say to people at all levels of the organization, how am I doing as a leader? What, what, what's working? Um, my goal as a leader is to be collaborative. My goal as a leader is to be uh, inclusive. How, how am I coming across to you at all levels of the organization? Um, I, I think that that's the, the critical thing, is to seek the feedback uh, around the different um, skills that you need as the leader and ensure that you're meeting um, the needs of everyone in the organization. But it's, it's um, again, it gets back to it's a more of a qualitative measure 
than a quantitative measure. You know, if you think about strategy, I, you know, it's how am I as a leader um, articulating a strategy for an organization? It, it's not quite as simple as, as a number. It, it's a much more qualitative benchmark that we're, we're looking at. And I think the only way to really um, benchmark in a qualitative way is to seek constant feedback, which is uncomfortable. Constant and honest feedback, and and that I think is is what leaders need to do as we move forward in this world. On behalf of our show and the listeners, uh, thanks so much, Helen, for sharing your insights. I know these are not the easy questions, but then a good conversation like this could hopefully provoke thought among all the listeners who are trying to get better themselves and also take their organization to the next level. So this was amazing input. So thanks so much again for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. So listeners, hope you enjoyed it. It rattles a few brains, including mine. Uh, Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, CIO Talk Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog, all your talk show hosts. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.